Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Talks with Thompson. I'm really excited to talk about uh, Lauren Norris, all things Lauren Norris today on the, on the podcast. Um, uh, Lauren and I have known each other for a very long time, and I'm excited to uh, get her to talk about her background in, in design and marketing. Uh, Lauren, thanks for, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Happy Sunday you, morning. You are in technical sales at Butler Technologies. That is correct. And you're also the immediate past president of the American Marketing Association Pittsburgh chapter. Yeah. Um, those are, uh, as I understand it, the, the, the technical sales job is new and the past presidency is old. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm really excited to learn more about your, your new role plus your role in, in the AMA. But uh, before, we, before we get into that, I need to know your point of origin. Where was, where was the start? Where did... Where did this, where did your career kick off? What was that, what was that, that spark or, or uh, idea that said, I need to be in design and marketing? What's your background? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, Cause it's, it's been a zigzag journey for sure. <laughs> but right out of college, I actually started at Indiana University of Pennsylvania and I went in undecided. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to study, just kind of taking basic uh, you know, core classes while I was there. And probably at the end of my first semester there, I was really loving, you know, my art background. I grew up, you know, playing the piano, trying the violin, playing the guitar, um, you know, trying to have double art classes in, in school and just really, you know, flexing that creative side of my brain. Um, but then as I, up through high school and, you know, late nineties exposure to all the technology, I just started blending my love of technology and art together. And at the end of the first semester, I'm like, you know what? I think like, to me, that makes sense. Graphic design, you know, your 18 year old brain, how that, you know, kind of goes together and, uh, started going through the course book to see where I could define my major and get into those classes. And that was one of the only majors at IUP that they did not have at the time. I think since they've added that, but they didn't have it. So I started looking to transfer and I evaluated Duquesne. I um, did a tour at the Art Institute and I can't remember a couple other schools that had similar programs in that regard and ended up landing at the Art Institute in their um, Bachelor of Science program for graphic design. So, um, I was there in the early 2000s. It was amazing. Like the professors were also business owners and um, working on real projects and uh, really being submerged from the beginning. So that was that was a great foundation to all things that follow. Uh, you know, I've also I, I've always made the the point to say that graphic design is like the the gateway <laughs> discipline uh, because it opens you up to so much. You can literally work in any industry with a graphic design background. And uh, more importantly, it's also, uh, aside from being the gateway, it's also a great springboard into other disciplines. Yes. Um, so, so you went to the Art Institute, you, you had your design degree. Well, how did you start your career after, after you graduated? Uh, so right after I graduated, I, um, I went to a company called Ansoft and I was working, um, at an inside Marcom 
department that was, you know, seven people, six, seven people uh, back in the day when they had those, I think they're coming back around to that size, but, you know, in between crashes and downturns. Uh, but it, back then it was an internal team. And um, so many of my friends were going the agency route and I ended up just, you know, landing an opportunity in a corporate setting and um, they developed electrical engineering software. So I was part of the team where I designed literature, um, you know, CD covers for the software and the software books and mm-hmm. everything in between. And then I was also uh, traveling to a few of the um, trade shows to help uh, there as well. So it was a nice eclectic background and experience that I was getting there. And, and you might need to refresh my memory on this. Uh, mm-hmm. At what point did we meet? Uh, this had trying, been at least around 2007, I was trying to remember that. I think it was when um, I started volunteering for CF and your office was uh, in the same hallway as their offices over on the north side or by Heinz Lofts, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, and I had a freelance client and I remember Cheyenne was like, oh, you got to go talk to RJ. And I'm like, <laughs> from you know school but I you didn't go to the art institute I couldn't remember it was just like a familiar connection and then yeah I think that's where we really connected was uh just as designers you know volunteering for CF and all that stuff yeah yeah that was uh so for the uninitiated the CF is uh the cystic fibrosis foundation and my first agency we we were stationed in the um in the in this office building on the North shore in, in Pittsburgh, right underneath the veterans bridge. Right. So, um, yeah, but we had clients in the building. The CF foundation was, was one of them. And it seemed like at that time, that was like a really magical time for, um, you know, folks like you and I, and sort of our generation, cause they were all converging at the yeah. cystic fibrosis foundation, the 50 finest event, the great strides event. We were all sort of connected into that. And, we were all still relatively new in, in our careers as well. Um, and so, you know, things are really exciting and things just kind of happened organically. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. And I, we lost touch, not lost touch, but over time. And then, uh, you know, you came on board with, uh, AMA committee and I was like thrilled. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe <laughs> he's back. <laughs> so it's, it's been awesome reconnecting for sure. You know, when, when I got the, so my sort of separation from Pittsburgh, I've lived here the entire time for my whole career, but my separation really started in 2011, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, probably right around the same time that, you know, I was moving on to a different thing. You were moving on to a different thing. Yep. Some of our crew were moving on and, and evolving. Right. But, uh, you know, I was, I started teaching at Edinburgh and then after that Youngstown for, for seven years. And I lost my whole base of people in Pittsburgh and I kind of had to fight to get them all back. Um, and, but yeah, I, I'm so glad to be, to, to be back. Uh, I've been back in the, in the, in the city working for about two years now and, um, you know, being connected to the AMA and being, so welcomed, you know, with, with loving open arms was, was really gratifying and very, uh, very special for me. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so, so now we're, we're doing the AMA thing and, uh, 
as I jumped on, you're getting off, but you're kind of on the periphery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I retired. Yeah. Semi retired. <laughs> Jamie's making sure I stay on another year, but right. it's uh, the growth and expansion and um, processes and all the things that we've implemented over the last four or five years has been, you know, game changing for our chapter. So it's been really cool to see that progression. So I, I want to ask you about this because um, I think you and I share similar interests and, and, in leadership and qualities to be in leadership. What what inspired you to take up the executive role, uh, the executive officer sort of role in the AMA? Yeah, so I was, I was recruited into the board um, as VP of membership when I started. And, um, you know, really liked working in that role. I was in that role for about six months and that fall, um, we have our regional retreats every year when they were in person. It uh, kind of goes around different cities of, of the region. So that year we went to DC and I went with um, then president Josh Gamiz and our VP communications, Dan Prokop at the time. So the three of us went down for that meeting and you get to see this bigger vision on a national level, even at the regional retreats. And it was DC chapter hosted, Baltimore was there, people from Virginia, Jersey, New York. Um, so it's about, I don't know, 50 to 100 board members from all these different chapters in the region, having all day meetings, collaborating, um, making connections. Um, and that was, that was uh, invaluable to me. I saw then even five years ago that this is bigger than the Pittsburgh chapter, personally, professionally, who I could learn from, who you can connect with. Um, so that was, that was a huge thing. And on the drive back, um, Josh was like, you know, would you be interested in being a president elect? And I go, oh, I, I haven't been here long enough. You know, I just started, I feel like I haven't sunk my teeth into membership, maybe further down the road. And he was like, no, I think, I think it'd be okay now. And I'm like, ma'am, I'm good. Like, I feel like that's a big, you know, on taking. So I don't know. He asked me maybe two more times. And finally I just said, okay, like I'll entertain the, you know, the idea. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of just how it naturally happened. And I ended up doing a two-year term. We had a ton of, uh, board transition. A lot of things were happening in national that just, it made sense some chapters have two-year term presidents. So um, ended up doing the two-year stint and Jamie's moving into his as well. So um, it's, it's actually kind of nice to have some of that continuity, um, you know, seeing certain things through. And I know they're talking about maybe doing that or certain chapters being able to do that, so. And, and as I understand it, uh, you work with Jamie, you're both at the same company. Yeah, now so. we do, yeah. So he's, he's, he can literally just tap on your office door when we're in person and say, Hey, how do you do this? Or right, right. Some advice. Um, that's, that's really cool. I, I, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed my time in AMA and, and connecting with uh, a variety of different uh, professionals, marketing and creative professionals. We have a really eclectic uh, diverse range of, of professionals in our membership. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to what's coming next. And, you know, to your point about those, those regional, um, those immersive regional meetings, leadership meetings, a few years ago, I was, I started the Awesome Foundation uh, Youngstown chapter. 
Okay. And we got to go, uh, myself and a colleague, we were able to go down to uh, DC, as a matter of fact. And uh, it seems like that's where all the leadership conferences happen. Right. right. I wonder why. Um, we went down there for the Awesome Foundation, and we got to meet people that ran chapters in every state and a variety of countries, uh, a lot of Europe, and, and I think there was a few uh, uh, African chapters, which was awesome, just incredible. So that type of stuff really charges you up. Yeah. And, well, think, um, and okay, it makes you feel like you can make a difference on yeah. an entirely different level than just in your day job. Right. When I think too, I mean, there's so much learning and collaboration going on in your own chapter. And then when you see what's going on in neighboring areas and what they're kind of thinking through and you just kind of continually level up with each other and, you know, keep getting better and, and learning different things. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to watch. I remember um, one of the years I was in Chicago for our annual, annual leadership uh, summit I was sitting with board members from AMA Hawaii. They mm. have a chapter in Honolulu. That's cool. And they were like, hey, we're having our, our annual um, conference. You guys should totally come. And we're like, yeah, we should. <laughs> we should totally get <laughs> out there. So um, yeah, everyone's just very inclusive. And, and just, uh, I think it's the openness to always be learning and then the openness to always be learning and collaborating and giving back as a mentor or whatever, you know, whatever that could look like, you're just continuously growing. So it's really good stuff. So you and I have similar skills with respect to design and marketing. And um, we both have design backgrounds, and, but we don't have any like formal degrees in, in marketing. Mm -hmm. And I think that really speaks well to the, uh, the, the adaptability yeah. swift adaptability of, of graphic designers to be able to jump into those marketing roles. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about how your design background has influenced your, your work in marketing and sales? And maybe if true, how design was a, a great base to start from? Yeah, that's, that's really cool to think through because I don't, I don't think I think of my background often in the technical sense, right? I think, um, you know, in terms of graphic design, I haven't had an actual graphic design role in a long time um, because it continuously evolved, <clears throat> excuse me, it continuously evolved into all things marketing, all things sales, because you had to, you had to adapt after the 0809 crash and then pivoting into different areas to learn different skills to continuously be marketable. Um, in that world as everything was changing digitally. You know, we went to college pre-social media when websites were one page. There was no, you know, <laughs> like I remember talking to um, some of our teammates and, you know, talking about being in high school and I graduated in 2000. Like I was two months old and I'm like, oh Jesus. my gosh, you don't even <laughs> understand the struggle that was <laughs> the dial-up internet in high school. <laughs> so um that's such an interesting concept, but in terms of the, the design background, and I tell people this a lot of times when they're like, I don't understand how you're in sales and you went to school for design. Mm -hmm. And here are the foundations I learned in my degree that have been able to allow me to be so adaptable and, you know, uh, excel in areas of sales marketing and different facets of that. But 
we would have classes that were, um, okay, you have to design, here's your design brief, um, here's the concept, here's the problem to solve. Mm -hmm. And so you're solving problems with design, concept development, creative thinking, right? All three of those overlap design, sales, marketing, all of them apply there. Um, and then whenever we would have to present our solutions, our designs, and what that would look like is if we were pitching to a board, right. I was always the one in the group that was picked to present it because everybody else was super introverted. They didn't want to talk in front of the class. I'm like, I got it. Like, I, I'll do that part. That's easy to like, to me, that was the easy part. Sometimes the technical sitting at a computer for 10 hours was my least favorite thing to do. Like I can think of it. I can tell someone the concept and then like you go ahead and you do it, but I'd, I'd rather just hold on to the concept and then I can explain it. Right. And so on the sales side, that becomes so incredibly important is your curiosity, asking the right questions, having the empathy to learn what somebody needs and how you can help them. And then having the creative thinking and knowledge of your product lines, services, et cetera, on how you can implement what's gonna work best for them. Not what's gonna work best for you, but what's gonna work best for them and the relationship and everything moving forward. So all of those things lie in a foundation of knowing design engineering and how to think like a designer because you're designing marketing, you're designing sales strategies. They're all design strategies that you're applying. I, I love that, that, that rationale because you're absolutely right. And, you know, to, to take that one step further, um, I often, I often tell my students like, Hey, you know, you can use the term graphic designer. And in some respects that is very limited and limiting because it, 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 it creates the perception that you are a producer, mm -hmm. right? it takes away this idea of, of strategy. Right. So it's like, yeah, let's just hire the graphic designer to make it. Well, a designer is a strategic thinker. They have to think about a number. Well, first off, they have to think about the whole system that they're working within, and then think about all the different parts to that system in order to communicate effectively. Right. Right. So um, I, I've, I'm starting to have an issue with that term. Mm -hmm. I, I instead... For a graphic designer, I prefer visual communicator. Yeah. Um, because graphic design is inherently, I believe, a, a communication uh, discipline. Yeah. And, you know, when I tell my designers, like, hey, you know, you're going to learn all of these different things through design. Mm -hmm. um, here's why it's because it's communication. So, design is the visual part of communication. Marketing is a completely different part of communication, but that's how they cross each right. other, right? So you need to be aware of, of you know, communication in general. So right. for a lot of designers and artists to be introverts, I believe that in some respects that can be a, a significant handicap mm -hmm. when they're trying to communicate, no right. matter how it manifests. Um, that's but, so interesting. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's fine. What are your thoughts? I was going to say, you know, um, 
It's so true because I think when you have, you know, BS graphic designer, it's such a technical degree and everybody thinks production, right? Like everyone just thinks of the designer in their office, et cetera. And when we were in school, our professors would say, we don't want you to graduate and be production artists. We want you to know production, but we don't want you to do that. We want you to be business owners. We want you to be executives. We want you to be creative directors and the like, and you have to do that through thinking strategically. And, you know, it's funny because if you look at a design project, right. And you tell somebody go and design an invitation. Cause I used to love to design stationary invitation, all that kind of stuff. Right. And you would have someone come up with this elaborate design and it didn't fit in a standard envelope they have a dead project, right? Yes. So you have to always think of the end in mind and say, I have to design a document within these sizes so that it can go through the post office. <laughs> and you may have to have extra postage. So now you have to think of cost involved as the end result and work backwards with what the production looks like. It's the same thing if you're in marketing, right? Like you have to have someone's budget in mind at the end and work backwards or in sales, you have to look at the strategy and say, what are they looking for the ROI to be on their investment with working with us and what we can enhance and produce, et cetera. So it's the same line of thinking in terms of, I guess you could call it design engineering, no matter what the project might be, but the, the end result has to be thought of first and then all the other facets that can come into play along the way that can deter you off course, keep you on course and get you to that final project. And then where you start, where I think a lot of people just start with the one, you know, step one and they don't see the development and where things are gonna land. Mm -hmm. And then you hit all of the hiccups in between that could have definitely been avoided if you thought strategically from the end. Right, you consider all the, all the different stakeholder groups or interests build yep. that in and get them in alignment, build that into uh, your strategy and then produce accordingly. Yeah. That's smart. That's good. <laughs> and, you know, I, again, like, I think to your, it, to your point, like a design background is going to prepare you for that systems mm -hmm. level thinking. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in addition to that, uh, I think I'm pretty good at sales. Mm-hmm. Ask someone who's a salesperson, they may disagree, but I've start, I've owned, I'm on my fourth company right now. Mm -hmm. And even to be at my fourth company and having, you know, sold or merged the previous three, yeah. I like to think that I'm kind of good at sales, yeah, right? So. Uh, in, order to, in order to get to this point. So um, designers are absolutely having to learn all of the skills of, you know, or I won't say all the skills, but parts of all the skills of marketers and PR people. And especially if you want to run your own business, you need to know some accounting, some finance and all of these other disciplines. And um, so that's one reason I think that, you know, designers need to give themselves uh, more consideration when it comes to their careers yeah. uh, and, and just exactly what their, their capabilities are. I had a student when I was at La Roche, I had a student who she got her degree mm -hmm. and then she went right into an MBA program mm -hmm. and graphic designers going into MBA programs is 
fairly atypical. I won't say, I'll say it's uncommon. I won't say it's atypical, but I will say it's uncommon. And um, it's just now, like within the past few years that art schools are like Micah and RISD are trying to create the MBA for creative professionals, Mm. right? Yeah. Um, to give them though, because they're, they are recognizing what you and I recognized a decade plus ago, right? That these business skills are absolutely necessary for designers to thrive and prosper. Right. Yeah. It's, um, that's interesting because I remember a lot of my, uh, classmates that went straight to a master's were going to RISD or going to SCAD and they were doing, you know, masters in fine arts. Yep. (laughs) You know, or, or, uh, you know, a master's in art history to go back and teach. Um, so I think that's, it's so important. Uh, and I think a lot of us may be not scared off by an MBA, but that early in your career potentially, right. Because it's so different from the foundation of the education that you're having. And I would think some people may not struggle, but it's going to be such a different environment. Um, once you get into statistics and calculus and you know, all the things, right? So it's the math. I, I, I've, I've talked to people about this. So, and I think here's an interesting relationship. So I, I teach interactive design. Mm-hmm. I essentially teach logic to artists who don't operate in logic, <laughs> right? They, they, right? They rely on their yeah. illogic to create amazing pieces of art and, and design, right? Um, so when I introduce logical thinking into web design, it, it turns their world upside down. Yeah. And I essentially say like, guys, I'm just teaching you visual math, really. Yeah. So you, you kind of have to break them down a little bit, but I would without a doubt say that um, uh, designers in general have a weak spot for math. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, not all of them, but a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that intimidation of like, oh my God, I have to do statistics mm-hmm. and, and all this different type of math. And yeah, uh, that can be very daunting, no doubt. Yeah. But no one said you had to get an MBA. Uh, right. You could get a certificate or you could get uh, like a minor or you could do a double yeah. major and, you know, kind of eases off a bit. Um, here's, a, here's an interesting uh, little known fact. So when I was in middle school, high school, I started playing the piano when I was 10. And music is very mathematical, right? Like very mathematical. Absolutely. So I feel like artistic people understand math in a very different way. Yes. And I had to take, you know, our my high school was very like college preparatory. We took classes for college credit. And, you know, I had calculus in high school and all this kind of stuff. And um, I would get stuck in my homework and I couldn't figure out how to solve some sort of problem. And I would put down my homework. I would go over to the piano. I would practice for an hour, play whatever I was working on and come back and sit down and be able to solve the math problem. And I think it's just how you can reorganize your brain in different ways. But again, like I think people don't, creative people don't realize that they probably subconsciously are very good at math. Yes. It's just in Thank the you. way that they are applying it and how it makes sense in different ways. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you nailed it. Uh, artists, be, be they visual, musical, whatever, they experience yes. math. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, they may not be great at doing it on paper, 
And that's right. a left brain, right thing, right brain yeah. thing, right? But we experience it. And so like with, with music, you've got cadence and rhythm and all, yeah. I mean, sequence, right? right. Uh, and pattern. And then in art, you've got, you're dealing with compositions and space mm -hmm. and scale. And we do those things intrinsically, organically, like, and it, it's not even a struggle. We just right. do it. Like our brains are built for that. But then when you try to translate that activity onto paper, right. it's impossible <laughs> because there's such dissonance between the two things that it doesn't make sense. Well, and there's a very, there's a very symphonic flow in conversation, in mm -hmm. strategy, in connecting dots in how you think conceptually and creatively. And that is happening in someone's brain that is maybe more of an interactive, right? And so they're able to think very quickly in that flow of whatever they're talking about, doing, et cetera. And I, and I can feel that, like, I don't even know how else to explain it other than like a symphonic flow of what a conversation can be. And that this is kind of unfolding into one of those things. Whereas people that are very analytical can see those patterns and dots on paper where we can experience them in conversation and like in other things. And it's interesting to, to evaluate and see those different sides of personalities, of, you know, mannerisms, and everything is still a calculated sequence of some level. You know, I would I would argue that it's that sort of natural sort of ability to do that mm -hmm. and and react to it that helps make you good at marketing and sales as yeah. well. You yeah. know, uh, especially I mean, especially if you're an extroverted person, because you sort of learn the beats of the process of mm -hmm. of trying to onboard a client or a prospective client and. Um, what you need to say in the tone and even the rhythm within which you need to say it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, unrelated, but it is quasi related. Um, I was listening to a, a podcast uh, as a song exploder, mm -hmm. amazing podcast that breaks down how musicians write their music and produce mm -hmm. all of their, all of their, their songs. And there was uh, there was uh, Rivers Cuomo, who's the, uh, the lead singer and, you know, main songwriter of Weezer, mm -hmm. right? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. he, he was on it. And, you know, back in the 90s, like, uh, his his music was, like, very, very uh, personality and soulful driven, right? Mm -hmm. You could see it in the lyrics. It was about him. But then at some point in the mid to late 2000s, like, uh, he switched. Mm -hmm. And he, act he actually has an Excel spreadsheet. This is how he writes his, his their songs that aren't about anything by the way, anymore. They're, they're not about anything, is my mm -hmm. interpretation. But he has an Excel spreadsheet and in one column, it's a quote. So what he's doing is he's listening to how people, he's listening for the musicality within which how people speak. Mm. So, you That's know, so if I say, if, if Amelia comes over, my daughter Amelia comes over and says, hey daddy, where is, where is that? I could say, oh, I don't know, it's over there. Like you could, you could kind of hear like there's this kind of rhythm or beat to it. And what he does is he'll record the quote and then he'll chart whether, what it, whether it's high or low. Hmm. And then from that, I think what he does is he builds like that high, low pattern out of it. 
Yep. So, oh, I don't know. So high and then low. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then he's able to kind of like uh, put those things together right. and then make a song out of it. And I don't know whether like, I don't know how to, I'm not a musician, but my brothers are, and I don't know what they would think about it. But I think that's a fairly, uh, or an interesting way to create music. Yeah. Um, but bringing it back to marketing and sales when you're listening for tone and inflection mm -hmm. you know and especially when you're in the process of sales you know what you need to say and when to say right. it right yeah. whenever you know everything is energy based right like if I walk into a sales meeting and I'm having a bad day and I'm just kind of you know flat mm -hmm. that person's not going to probably respond very well to me right so right. you have to bring the energy that the you want reciprocated and yeah. you know how are you going to create that relationship and you know that's it's not as much you know a lot of people say sales is manipulation but it's knowing how to read people knowing your product and service obviously but then knowing how to have those conversations in a productive way um, and not leaving anything on the table that you know you may have missed or you know brought to light that then can lead you to the next thing so yeah, I think that's the fun part. I mean, that's none of that is work to me. Like that's I'm just love meeting new people. No one's a stranger, you know, kind of that kind of thing. So, yeah. So, um, switching gears because we're getting towards the end of our time together. I'm curious, uh, considering your multidisciplinary sort of you know career and your approach to your work, what advice would you have for you know? on one hand, design students that want, are, are considering branching out into to marketing and communications. And then what about marketing students that want to learn more about design? What, what would you offer both groups? Yeah. So as design students looking to engage into more of a marketing role, um, I think, you know, everyone has to start somewhere, right? So you may have to start as a designer and, you know, expand in a role or, you know, a lot of companies hire marketing associates. I think that was my title, you know, in the corporate realm and, you know, you do design and you learn some other things, but I think that um, a couple of different things, getting involved in any type of like AIGA, a AMA organization, right? Like you're going to start to meet people that have crossover skills. Um, finding mentors early on is really important. I've always had a mentor throughout my career, depending on where I was looking to go. So finding people that are in positions that you eventually want to be in are great to reach out to. And I feel like most people are willing to mentor at some level or take, take a coffee meeting. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, you know, <laughs> back when I was entry level, there wasn't HubSpot Academy, Trailhead, there wasn't <laughs> you know, anything out there where you could pick a topic that you were looking to learn and do, you know, trainings on it and get certified. So I think the more you can be proactive um, and then, you know, in, in your role, share that as one of your goals with your supervisor. You know, I know this is my core, but I would love to learn more of this area of our business in the marketing realm. And how am I able to get more experience to do that? And unless you ask, people don't know that you're interested in that. And that also helps continuously open doors for, you know, where you're looking to go. 
Um, and I think a lot of that, ex a lot of what I just said applies the other side. So I think if you're in marketing and you're looking to maybe learn more design skills, design engineering, design concepts, um, again, work with a creative director, reach out to an agency owner that has come up from designer to owner and everything in between. Um, you know, I think that that's really, uh, you know, and, and find a couple of them and see what the trends are on how people have, you know, made those jumps in, you know, different realms of what that looks like. Fantastic advice. Uh, Lauren, if, if folks are interested in learning more about the AMA or, you know, maybe have questions for you, how can they find the AMA? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, so uh, our local chapter website is amapittsburgh.org, um, nationalsama.org. So there's a ton of resources, articles, newsletters, seminars, et cetera, that you can check out on there. Um, so there's always great things. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, just search Lauren Norris. Um, and I am always open to having a coffee meeting virtually, um, you know, hopefully in person as uh, things calm down. And um, I'm always, you know, available to mentor as well if anyone's interested. Cool. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully we can do this again. Yeah. And uh, I'll look forward to, uh, you know, seeing how, seeing how your career continues to grow and flourish and develop, especially at Butler. Yeah. Awesome. It's been great, RJ. Thanks for having me. All right.